0: I'm excited to share with you all that I've contributed a chapter to the newly published Anxiety Relief Handbook. The handbook provides a unique window into eleven highly effective complementary therapies for you to sample on your quest to ease anxiety. The ebook is available on my website happynurse.com.au forward slash anxiety relief handbook.
1: Another big thing that has always been an issue with debriefing is mm, it just doesn't happen is finding the time to debrief because you know we're all busy lives at work and outside of work you know we've all got stuff on a common thing we hear is that oh we just want to get home but then you go home and you're thinking about this stuff anyway so why not take out 10 minutes just to chat about it
0: Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast. Nurses are the backbone of healthcare, always there to care for strangers as if they were one of their own, often forsaking special moments with their own family in order to ensure another's loved one is being cared for. As nurses, self-care is essential. I am Elena Mullery, nurse educator and self-care mentor for nurses. I'm an RN with 20 years of clinical experience, a first-hand experience of stress and burnout. It was this experience which led me to develop a passion for personal development and pursue the study of mindfulness, meditation, hypnotherapy and neuro-linguistic programming. Each episode, I will be promoting self-care strategies to those who always care for others. I have broken self-care down into five aspects mental, emotional, physical, spiritual and indulgence to make it easy to ensure all your self-care needs are being met. Each episode I will interview nurses and self-care gurus from around the world to help you with each aspect of your self-care. Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast with Elena Mullery. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Happy Nurse podcast. Today I am joined by Cameron Tyres. Cameron has joined me to discuss debriefing and the importance of debriefing, especially when it comes to our well-being as nurses. So welcome to the show, Cameron.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: It's lovely to have you on. Cameron is uh, registered nurse, and he currently works in an emergency department in the Gold Coast. Also, he has extensive nursing experience all around Australia, and he's also worked in the Middle East. How was the Middle East, Cameron?
1: It was exciting. We, you know, we saw a wide variety of different cases, um, cultural differences, which was great. There was, you know, lots of trauma. It was a trauma centre I was working. Lots of cardiacs and, you know, it was different, exciting and a great experience all around.
0: Did you work in emergency there as well?
1: Yeah, I was in emergency there. I was in a, a trauma centre for that region of Sharjah, the place the Emirates called. And yeah, I was there for about just over eight months all up and, yeah, worked as a clinical nurse consultant there. or as a charge nurse, they call it. So...
0: Yeah, charge. That's like the UK charge nurses. Yeah, UK nurses will know what you're talking about. I had a few friends I trained with actually went off to work in the Middle East, and they all loved it as well. Yeah, it's not something I've done. I came to Australia after ten years in the UK. Yes, I know what it's like to jump ship and suddenly find yourself working in a different country. Yeah, but yeah, moving to a completely different culture would be quite confronting as well. At the same time.
1: Yeah, it was something I always wanted to do and always loved the region and yeah, something that, that was part of the bucket list just for my nursing career and also just in my own general experience. So yeah, I was uh, lucky enough to have a few other Australian doctors I was working with so that made it easier. We had the whole, uh, you know, Australian banter, I guess you could say, going on, but we also worked well together because we knew we had the same styles of, you know, leadership and same building that we would use over here
0: awesome yeah and nursing such an awesome career that lends itself to traveling the world because we can do it anywhere really apart from I know in the states we have to upskill because the RNs there do a lot more than what we do here in Australia but yeah that's how I found myself over here in Australia from the UK it was my nursing that that got me that permanent residency so I'm very grateful yeah. to
1: uh, yeah. I'm not sure what else I would do otherwise, to be honest.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a vocation, isn't it, nursing? You don't do it for the money. <laughs> <laughs> the life experience and the travel opportunities. There you go. That's what you can do it for. Yeah. And the yeah, the connection with the patients. So as you know, I'm all about promoting self-care to nurses and healthcare professionals. And I speak about having a non-negotiable in my self-care. What would be your non-negotiable?
1: My biggest thing with nursing is, I guess, as what you're all part of, is about self-care as well. With me, it's I'm big on debriefing, and it's something that I like to try and get implemented a lot of the time. And something that I have done, debriefing was a big thing when I was in the Middle East, and we would do things that, you know, it was straight after the patient was a critical incident or it was something you know that we would even do a, a day or so later just so we'd have time to think about what happened and, you know it was I remember one day we had five cardiac arrests in the morning and wow. you know it was day and you know it was just talking about what we could do and then there was times where we're like okay should we have stopped then or should we have not stopped should we have kept going and You know, all that psychological stuff does play on your mind after a while, and, yeah, so for me, it's non-negotiable that you shouldn't not be I guess.
0: Yeah, definitely, and especially in an environment like ED. I mean, I work in theatres, and I have done for 20 years mostly, so it's a very controlled environment. But even then, once in a while, we'll have an incident where, it's all hands on deck and the defib trolley goes flying into theatre or into recovery and it is very important afterwards to debrief on what happened because we're all working so much in the moment during that kind of crisis situation that it's afterwards you become very reflective and that's when all the emotion starts to come in doesn't it because you just go on autopilot you're trained for these situations you know all this mandatory training we do every year but yeah it's afterwards I see why you're so passionate because it's such a critical aspect in our roles as nurses especially in looking after ourselves
1: yeah yeah it's uh yeah it's critical it's critical really and but from my experience. It's just one of those things that is, you know, left to the side and, yeah, I think within the health profession and other professions too, but I can only talk about nursing and, you know, ED departments that we should be doing it more often.
0: Getting the whole team involved, not just the nursing staff, isn't it? We need everyone who's participated in that situation to also be present in the debrief. Yes, yes. What do you think hinders that from happening?
1: I think a lot of it is time. You know, we're all busy. We have busy days and, you know, everyone just wants to get home. (laughs) You know, we spend enough time at work. Why should we spend a little bit more? But in the long run, it's better for you. It gives you comfort to make you feel like you have done a good job if the outcome was good or bad you know i've been involved in many types of debriefs i've been involved in the the attacking debrief the 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 debrief where everyone's you know on the same page where there's you know it it went well the recess, but then there's other times when there's things haven't gone so well and you know there can be a blame game or but it shouldn't be about that it should be just about there's a structure that we have in place and, you know, we can all have our own points of view, whether you're allied health or nursing or a doctor, you know, and we're all involved and we all talk about what was done well and what was done not so well and how we all felt. And it also helps the department too because you can then build on things that didn't go so well or, you know, keep building on the things that have gone well so that we can put in places things that, you know, future better than the department.
0: Would you think it's fair to say that by encouraging debriefing, it's also, um, what am I trying to say? It's also encouraging a psychologically safe working environment because people feel like they're being seen and heard.
1: Most definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a uh, yeah. It's a big part, you know. Like it, with with our job, you know, you go to work, you go home, but yeah, you'll think about work, you know. You know, and there's many types of debriefing. Like there's debriefing at work with everyone that knows what you're talking about. And, but you can also come home, and it's good to just offload. You know, I don't have that opportunity because I live on my own, but. You know, I've got friends that I can call upon and say, Hey, mate, not a good day today. This is what happened. And, you know, and they're nursing notes or I talk to my family as well. And, you know, they're definitely not nursing and they often get grossed out by my stories, but, you know, it's good for myself to be able to talk to them about it.
0: Yeah. And I know we've got a mutual friend, Athol, and he's developed the F words app. It's got a debriefing feature in it too, doesn't it? So you can communicate with the team that you've been working with that shift yes. once you go home.
1: Yes, yes. And uh, he's also got it so you can do it on the shift as well. So that the app helps you so you all know that who's on your shift and the part of the rusting area and you can talk about stuff that's happened or like during the shift or you can even talk to people, hey, prior to the shift, hey, we're on the shift together you know be good to catch up or you know and and then an event happens you know you can all make an announcement and then you just catch up post yeah we'll put a
0: link to that in the show notes so anyone who's interested if you work in public health in Australia it's free for you to download so jump on and download it because it's an awesome resource to have so when I first started um Promoting self-care to nurses, it became apparent to me very quickly that self-care is associated with things like bubble baths, day spas, playing golf, that kind of thing. When actually, there is so much more to it than just what I call the indulgent aspect; those aspects that are often associated with it. I've recognised that there's also a mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual aspect to our self-care what would be your idea of indulgent self-care what do you do for indulgence
1: well yeah i love a game of golf play at least once a week if not more but you know shift work doesn't always allow that Mm -hmm. but yeah no definitely uh catching up with mates you know maybe go out for dinner go out for a drink uh i'm a big hiker as well i love going on hikes so generally we have like a hiking group at work and we'll all go off and go for a hike and you know obviously the the conversations lead to work but <laughs> that's another great way to offload and we all know what we're talking about you know it's it's a great environment it's a great great way to de-stress you know fitness is good get on the waters I mean you know it's always nice to have a wine or two but you know it's important to look after yourself um eat properly and exercise
0: yeah definitely and I'm a huge advocate of the outdoors it's so healing and therapeutic Because we work in such stark, white, fluorescently lit environments. You know, they're so far from the natural world, it's not funny. So getting out and spending time in that natural environment and back to kind of our roots almost is very therapeutic. And that's awesome that you can do that with your team because that's a great team building thing as well. And you've all got mutual interests and you can share any concerns or anything bothering you obviously in a safe environment
1: yeah for sure yeah this is a big on privacy and confidentiality so we're not going to go blurting out that stuff and we're well educated people and you know we are we have respect for each other and we all know where we're at and it's good to comfort each other at times when we need to
0: yeah definitely if you enjoy meditating or you would like to give meditation a try Why not head on over to happynurse.com.au forward slash meditation to download my free guided meditation for stress and anxiety relief. It's 12 minutes of pure self-care. I encourage people to turn up as the best versions of themselves because I believe if they're doing that, they're offering the best possible care to their patients and being the best colleague that they can to their colleagues. Who or what inspires you to be the best version of yourself?
1: I have a few people that have uh, inspired me in my life. This might sound a little bit corny, but my mother is a big inspiration to my career. Yeah. I guess she's a nurse as well, and she's excelled in her career. She's got her own non government organization called Ice for Africa, and they go to Ethiopia once a year, pre COVID, once a year, and we do cataract surgery in rural and remote areas in Ethiopia.
0: Wow, how awesome.
1: Yeah, so she's done really well. And, you know, I've always loved the volunteering, international side of things as well. I've done a couple of projects myself. So I've been to Ethiopia with uh, my mum, and I've also did a community development project in India and did a bit of aid work for the 2005 earthquake in Pakistan.
0: Oh so, wow, you really are well travelled.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't mind travelling. Um, so it's yeah, so she's a big inspiration because the NGO life, you know, I haven't really explored it, but it's you know, I, I do have a, a passion for it. Uh you know, I've just done a little tip of the iceberg, I guess you'd say. But um yeah, so she's definitely a big inspiration.
0: I can understand why that's awesome
1: yeah I can't do eyes what? much but you know <laughs> I get
0: it. Do you know what I'm the same Cameron I it's the one theater I can't go into because you can yeah. see it up on the screen there what they're doing and I'm like no you shouldn't be putting things in people's eyes I just I yeah uh, I that's struggle the with the eyes as well although yeah those cataract surgeries are are amazing. Yeah, they change people's lives, don't they? It's so.
1: such a simple operation and it's life-changing, yeah, and especially to these people because they don't have the access to the healthcare that we do. You know, they don't have the, the money like, you know, we can easily have here. There's no welfare. Um, yeah. You know, and we go in there and we just, it's all self-funded volunteers and it's just all about the cataracts. So it's great and that is, yeah, it's life-changing. It's the morning after for us, it's the most emotional part is due to the fact of they're all removing their iPads. And these people are elderly. They haven't seen, you know, for, for years, some of them. Wow. They take off these iPads and they can see and they're like, what's going on with this world, you know? It's great. And,
0: oh, wow, what an amazing yeah. experience. So
1: it's good for them. But and
0: can we... Can we pop the link to your mum's NGO in the show notes? Would so that be okay? So if people want to know more about what she does. Sure, she can. sure. we can do that. Yeah. yeah, awesome. I can totally understand why she's an inspiration. She's inspiring me just listening to you. <laughs>
1: yeah, she's a lovely lady, yes.
0: And is she, are you close to her or is she elsewhere in Australia? Yeah, we're close. Here?
1: She's uh, just up in Brisbane. She's just up the road.
0: Oh, cool. So, yeah, yeah, awesome. My mom was a nurse as well, and she's yeah, she's one of my big inspirations. She actually went and did nursing when I was a, a teenager because it was a dream that she'd always had. So she actually inspired me to follow in her footsteps. So yeah, I get the mom being the inspiration, mm. and I want my boys to see me as an inspiration and watch me chase my dreams and yeah. and go after what I'm passionate about so yeah that fires me too knowing that my kids are watching me not letting things hold me back for sure
1: so, for sure you can't I think it's a big thing like you have to follow your dreams and you can't let anything or anyone stop you
0: yeah and but often we do that's the thing so it's getting past that hurdle and and believing in yourself, it always comes back to self-care and self-love every time yeah. with anything that we do. Yeah. So let's explore this debriefing method that you've got a bit further. You were telling me earlier before we started recording about different debriefing methods. I wasn't even aware of this, so I'm really excited to pick your brain about it all. So do you want to explain a bit more to us?
1: Sure, sure. There's a... Um from you know from research and stuff I've done um, there's different types of debriefs um there's the hot debrief and then there's the cold debrief and you know not everyone's a fan of the hot and not everyone's a fan of the cold uh they so what
0: is the difference between the hot and the cold The hot just hot debrief reason.
1: is something so just say you have an, an event come an incident comes in you all and the uh, events finished with You'll all stand around and talk immediately after what's happened and how it went, in debrief. Then there's a the cold debrief where you may, you know, the next day or the day or two after the event's happened, you've had time to come and think about the event and, you know, you know, you may have spoken to it about other people and then you all come together and talk about and you debrief that way. Uh, generally speaking, they say, and it's not, this is a very generalization. They say that doctors prefer the, the hot debriefs where nurses prefer the cold.
0: Why do you think that is? Uh, I think, uh,
1: I don't know I'm just assuming. I think a lot of it is that, you know, doctors are very, you know, analytical, you know, on the moment, spur of the moment type thinkers, you know, they've got to make clinical and critical decisions like there and then. And it's just you know the way they're trained. Whereas nurses, you know, and another massive generalisation, they all, you know, things are sort of a bit more planned, and we've got structure and that type of thing. Not every nurse, you know. I personally, I prefer the hot. I like to, you know, it's the adrenaline's still pumping. You know, you you know what you've just done. You know what everyone else has done. And you know you got time to just say, okay, this is what happened. This is where we did well. This is where we didn't so so well. And, you know, it's fresh in my mind. So,
0: yeah, I could understand why both would be appealing. To be honest, yeah, yeah, the hot, yeah, because you're right there and then. But the cold maybe gives you time to be a bit more reflective. But then that could lead to you going down rabbit warrens in your head and starting to wonder. If you did something right, whereas yeah, probably I think I'd be a fan of the hot as well, actually. Yeah, every. Then so you can go home and you've got closure and you know. Yeah. You, yeah. You did the best you could.
1: And I think if you have debriefed like and it's still playing on your mind, you need to look after yourself. And you know, there's plenty of services out there for for you know nursing and medical medical health practitioners to go and you know seek like epa services and you know it's a big thing your mental health and it's what gets you through to go to your next shift
0: yeah as you see, your line manager or team leader that was on in that shift who knows what was happening um your employee assistant program there's also nurse and midwife support
1: yeah
0: um their number is 1-800-667-877. I'll put that in the show notes as well. If ever you're really struggling with anything related to your work and you want to speak to someone in confidence, they're a really good resource to reach out to. Yeah, so what makes a good debrief then?
1: I think a calmness, calmness in a debrief. And we had, I had a debrief the other week and it was a patient that had uh, arrested and it was a messy one. it wasn't you're straightforward you know it wasn't easy. Things were going wrong. people weren't going everywhere and but the the doctor that ran it he ran it in a structure that we've starting to implement at work, and the debrief was amazing it was so we it wasn't a blame thing. it was all we he had an overview of what happened, what the patient came in for, so it was like it was like you know, a pre, pre-hospital handover and it just went through the whole case and then we all went around the room and each person got to say, how do you think that went? And then after that we all got to say, what do we think went well and what do we think went wrong? And so we all got to have a say and some people will just say, yes, I think it went well. And other people will say well i think we could have done this 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 and this but it's an open and everyone's different and that's what you have to respect when it comes to these things is that everyone's different we all handle these these debriefs and every critical incident different there's no right or wrong and it was understood that uh, or and explained to that why things happened the way they did and it made us all take away okay Things went wrong, but it was a way that we could work out how to improve for next time, and we were able to put some systems into place after that event that have now helped us with so it doesn't happen again. I guess it's yeah. yeah. So it's I'm trying to lose track here, but
0: <laughs> that's okay. Uh,
1: yeah, so it's just the way to it helps improve, and we all feel okay that the way things were handled at the end was was the
0: right way yeah and I think like you touched briefly there on the the no blame I think that's a huge part of the psychological safety as well isn't it yeah. why people often don't speak up because they're worried about the blame and shame that may be associated with it but these are moments of reflective practice you know we're all encouraged to do That's part of our APRA registration and we um, need to remember that these are all lessons being learned. You know, no, I don't see it as anyone doing anything wrong. Like, there's always, there's always a lesson to be learned because you won't do it again.
1: Yes, that's right. Yeah, and we've all made and mistakes. It, yeah, we'll continue to make mistakes. Like, and you know, it's it's how you learn.
0: Because okay. I. I've alluded before, and I've mentioned it in other episodes. You know, I think there's still, because of the hierarchical system that the healthcare system is, especially among the staff, there is an element of fear there. And I think it's probably quite healthy for nurses to have a slight element of fear because we never know when that patient is going to deteriorate. So we're always on on guard almost you know yeah. we've got that analytical critical mind on yeah. but we cannot let that fear impede on our practice at the same time you know and that we feel that we cannot escalate things or we feel that we've done something wrong in a critical situation like this it's all about learning lessons and If you are unsure, ask questions. You know, I always say that to any junior staff or students I have. There is no stupid question. I would much rather you asked me something than just got on with it and then went home and worried if you'd done the right thing or not. I
1: totally, totally, totally agree. It is my biggest thing. First thing I say to a student if I haven't is let's just have fun today. I want you to ask any questions, no questions a stupid question. Let's go through some stuff, and we can go from there. Uh,
0: Yeah, I even have to ask questions still, you know, 20 years down the line, and I will quite openly do it in front of all my colleagues, especially the junior ones, Mm -hmm. because I think you need to show that vulnerability in yourself because it gives others the confidence to be able to do the same thing.
1: And I also, also believe if you've got that question, is guarantee that someone else is thinking of that same question
0: yeah exactly and i think probably in the debrief situation this is what i'm getting to is that if you have got questions of why someone did something or why something could have potentially got wrong that hasn't been addressed don't be scared to ask just ask because it's a huge learning opportunity for you
1: and that's what happened in this in this situation and it was explained to us from the, from a different level to what we're used to of why they did it that way. And, you know, and it, it was amazing for peace of mind.
0: Yeah, and that's what you want. You want everyone to be able to walk away from that with that chapter closed and peace of mind, knowing that everyone did what they could to the best of their abilities and no one is worrying about it. Definitely. Because that then impedes on your future practice because if that happens again and you've got unresolved issues from a previous one, it's going to start ruminating while you are in that moment. Yep, definitely. And make you hesitant instead of just getting on with what needs to be done. For sure. Would you agree? I totally
1: agree with you there. Another big thing that has always been an issue with debriefing is mm, it just doesn't happen and I think it happens in a lot of departments, the ones I've worked in, but it's finding the time to debrief. Because, you know, we all live busy lives at work and outside of work, you know, we've all got stuff on. But, you know, a a common thing we hear is that, oh, we just want to get home. You know what I mean? But then you go home and you're thinking about this stuff anyway. So why not take out 10 minutes just to chat about it? Or, you know, I've got... Oh, I've got so much restocking to do. I've got, you know, I've got this, this and this to do. We don't have time. It's such a busy department. But if you just take out 10 minutes or not even 10 minutes, it doesn't have to be that long, five minutes, just to have that quick initial debrief and then talk about things, it's just refreshing for everyone. And it's, you know, it, it's amazing how just a little chat, we all talk about the little chats, how much it, it helps with your mental health.
0: Yeah, definitely. Because as you say, you know, you may be rushing home, but by not dealing with it at work, you're taking work home with you because what? you're going to sit and think about it. I don't so. make
1: my bed because I don't like to bring work home.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, good point. Also, yeah, I don't do hospital corners, that's for sure. <laughs> I do
1: make my bed on this plane.
0: <laughs> You've thrown me with that one. I didn't see that coming at all. Sorry, Cameron. <laughs> um yeah I think it's it's such an important aspect in our self-care and we can think like you said you know I just want to get home and sometimes like I know myself I'm running out the door sometimes because I have to leave to pick the kids up you know I don't have the choice so again circling back to the app that's a, a good tool you know if you do have to rush off and you've got stuff you'd like to ask the team that you were working with
1: yeah yeah for sure
0: yeah but make sure that you do you do and if you do find yourself in that cold debrief situation maybe during that period between the actual incident and the debrief write down any questions because you may things may start to to come up and you'll think about them and and then you'll forget so if something comes into your mind write it down because as i said earlier you know there is no stupid question if you've got it as Cameron said someone else has probably got it too so yeah, it's all about encouraging that psychologically safe workplace as well, isn't it? And
1: I think by not by not debriefing, uh, it can lead to burnout. You know, oh, yeah. He touched on that, but, and he's big on that with his act. But, you know, like I, I had an incident there, and I had a doctor come up to me and goes, Matt, are you all right? I said, mate, everyone's dying around me. Like oh, I've had like four instances in like, you know, last couple of weeks I'm like (laughs) you start questioning yourself and you know it was great that he just asked me and I could offload to him and talk about it and he was you know he was really good about it and I was you know this is a good 12 months ago now but I still remember it and just to be able to chat and we talked about like sort of each case and you know and that was just a great tool so talk to your colleagues too you know.
0: Yeah, definitely, because They're living. there's not only burnout, there's compassion fatigue as well. And that's from the continuous exposure to these stressful high adrenaline events that we do see, especially you guys in emergency. I mean, if you do shifts and resus, I hate to think how many times you're having to do CPR in one shift. And that continual exposure, it does lead to this phenomenon called compassion fatigue. and we're nurses, we're natural, compassionate, empathic people. Like, if we can't offer our patients empathy and compassion, then we've kind of lost the purpose of our job. So it's so important to reflect so we don't end up in that situation.
1: Yeah, totally agree.
0: Yeah. And it sneaks up on us and every little tool that you can utilize to try and prevent that burnout from happening is so important. And most of them come back to communication, asking questions, and ensuring that you are making sure that your needs are being met.
1: Yeah, it's uh yeah. Self-care is definitely something that we I don't think we do enough. And I can even vouch for that myself, but it's definitely something we need to do more. And focus on within as a department.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's something that the the hospitals need to start embracing it's it's a clinical governance issue as far as I'm concerned or OS you know it, it's in there in the policy and the, the M legislation so we should definitely be advocating for it and practicing it ourselves. So I think to tie off everything that we've discussed today I think we've highlighted the importance of debriefing and just how important it is to our own mental health that we ensure that this debriefing process is a happening and b effectively happening yes would you yeah totally
1: agree with you and how we need Mm -hmm. to yeah we need to do it more often yeah
0: and what kind of incidents would you be debriefing from like obviously we do resus but is there any other incidents that you would see we need to maybe be looking at? Uh,
1: I think, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously resus funds are, are big. Uh, something we're going to start implementing is something like because, because we don't do it enough, but we're going to make it a compulsory thing that every patient is intubated, we automatically do a debrief. Like it, there's no negotiable. And the effects of that we're hoping that it's going to roll on to further... Uh, for the instance, so every time you know uh, a CPR event happens, or you know, and then just all these different events, and then so it'll just work into the workplace where it's always compulsory to do it, and it's just natural thing. Like you get a cardiac patient, you do an ECG. You have a, a critical incident work, you do a debrief. Uh, but I think it's it's something that you should be debriefing is on anything that you don't feel or anything that you feel that you need to talk about.
0: Yeah, definitely well, broken up. Going back
1: <laughs> on a key.
0: Yeah. yeah. Anything you've got questions about, hey, just don't take them home. Yeah. Ensure that you go seeking answers or if you do take them home and then have questions, go seeking the answers when you go back to work the next shift. Yeah. And I suppose, yeah, I'm just thinking what I said. We debrief on any code. You know, there's all these different colors. I think they're different in each state. <laughs> yes. All of it's important. especially I think code blacks here in WA or the violence and aggression, and that's really important to also debrief on and look at how we you got that situation actually arose and how it was handled because our safety as nurses is very important.
1: We've noticed. Ah, uh, we've noticed that you know with COVID and you know people lost their jobs and more time at home with their partners, that domestic violence has just gone through the roof.
0: That's so sad.
1: And it's you know, just seeing the continual of it and I feel like that the abuse that nurses have been copying, you know, in recent times has escalated. But you know, we just sort of let it go. And, you know, it's you know, we don't like it, but it's just like we it's not reported enough. So I think we need to step up a bit more. Uh, I know there's a big drive for that now is that let people know that, you know, we're not here to cop your your abuse and we need to, you know, to try and stamp that out a lot more.
0: Yeah, it's a zero tolerance approach zero this tolerance, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, yeah. And I think that that you can understand why... The incidence of domestic violence has increased. you know we're probably just seeing more of a reality of what's been going on behind closed doors yes. for a long time, and it's that old fight flight freeze response you know if if your response to stress is to fight, then you can see where domestic violence would escalate from during this pandemic that we find ourselves in yeah
1: totally totally
0: yeah. So it's been awesome chatting to you today, Cameron. Thank you for sharing all your wisdom on the debriefing process. I've learned a few things myself. I will put your um, LinkedIn handle in the show notes. So if anyone wants to reach out and have a chat to you about it all, they can do that. But thank you for joining me on the show today. Thank
1: you for having me. It's been great chatting to you and uh, look forward to uh, speaking to you very soon.
0: Yeah, likewise. Thank you for listening to the Happy Nurse Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's content and would like to join the Happy Nurse community, head over to Facebook and check out the Happy Nurse AU Facebook page and request to join the Happy Nurse community. Also, check out happynurse.com.au for access to free downloads and subscription to my blog. See you soon. And in the meantime, remember to always offer yourself the same compassion that you so freely give to others. I'm excited to share with you all that I've contributed a chapter to the newly published Anxiety Relief Handbook. The handbook provides a unique window into 11 highly effective complementary therapies for you to sample on your quest to ease anxiety. The e-book is available on my website, happynurse.com.au forward slash anxiety relief handbook.